Hi, good morning. This is the Bitcoin Morning Brief. It is June 19th <laughs> and we have Jimmy here and Tone and this is going to be a fun one. So Jimmy, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, I guess. I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm starting to think that Bitcoin's getting, you know, on the boring side because like the price, price is so stable. I, I like it because I can work on my book. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And you're back from Rio. So that must no, 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 no. It's Sao Paulo. Those oh. are very different cities. Very different cities. Okay, Sao Paulo is more like the New York of Brazil and Rio's the LA. The two types of people kind of make fun of each other. So you got to be careful. True. As long as I wasn't CoinDesk that mislabeled the capital. So at least, well, at least you didn't call, call it like Buenos Aires or something like that. <laughs> that would have been really bad. All right, I'm not in too much trouble yet. Tone, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, I'm off to, I was going to go to Porkfest tomorrow, but change of plans. So after the show, I'm driving up to New Hampshire to, uh, well, to deal with the libertarians. So that's going to be fun. Deal with. All right, well, we'll see how much trouble you get into. All right, jumping into Square. Um, so Square jumps after receiving license to let New York customers buy and sell Bitcoin. So New York granted the company a virtual currency license, letting the customers in the state buy and sell Bitcoin. The, this was done by the New York State Department of Financial Services. And they said that Monday that it had approved, again, just specifically the virtual currency license for the, for the company. And just to say, shareholders loved it and stock price spiked. So Tone, what do you think about the announcement? Um, I mean, I think it's cool. Uh, I, I do like the fact that Square, a company that knows what they're doing when it comes to payments, uh, is entering this world of, uh, you know, a little bit of competition. Uh, also, Square is a, is a subsidiary of, uh, is it a subsidiary of uh, uh, Twitter or is it just like the same CEO or something? I'm not yeah. exactly sure. But Jack Dorsey. Yeah, so Jack Dorsey seems to understand what Bitcoin is, unlike Brian Armstrong. Uh, Dorsey invested in Lightning, unlike Brian Armstrong, whose company has never invested in anything Bitcoin-related, uh, only shitcoin-related. So uh, I give a lot of respect for Square, and I hope they destroy all business uh, from Coinbase and Circle and all these other imposters that are using the word Bitcoin and, uh, you know, help people get into scams. Uh, Jimmy, what were your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, the, I, I hate the fact that the New York Def Department of Financial Services has so much clout. We've been bashing them ever since they came out with that idea a while ago. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the rules are the rules. There, there are more people in New York that can buy Bitcoin really easily. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I'm still kind of annoyed because they won't let me withdraw the Bitcoin I bought through the cash app uh, from like months ago. And every time I try, it doesn't work. So, Jack, can you go fix this so I can go withdraw some Bitcoin from the app? Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that cash user experience is way better than anything else out there. You can pretty much input a debit card and be able to buy instantly instead of uh, you know, having to go through yeah, a week of waiting and so on. Um, and right now is a, is a you know, I, I don't know if this is a bottom. We'll get to that later in the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very convenient way to go buy Bitcoin. And it's, uh, it's uh, very user friendly, which I really like. 
Tone, just as a follow-up, they're saying here at least that an analyst at Guggenheim wrote in a note to clients that Square's payment app could eventually turn into a Coinbase-like exchange. Now, again, right now, I don't, you know, it's it operates more like, well, again, just, uh, just Square um, and uh, Cash App, where it's just transferred immediately. You know, do you think that that's actually true, or what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I hope it's not true uh, in that Square is going to be selling you Zcash and uh, Bcash and, you know, uh, I don't know, BitConnect, which is probably where Coinbase would have gone uh, if BitConnect lasted long enough uh, for the SEC to deem them not a security. Uh, that seems to be the only requirement. And uh, uh, so I hope that's not the direction that they're heading into. But um, I mean, it's possible. I don't know if Square wants to get into the exchange game. Uh, you should let the exchange people get into the exchange game and stick to uh, retail clients buying and using Bitcoin. Uh, I, I, that, that, that would be my advice for them. And only Bitcoin, you know, reduce your attack surface, try to integrate Lightning as soon as you can. And if you are the preferred Lightning, you know, uh, channel node for people's payments, uh, that would be great. I mean, the Bcash guys will scream centralization on a second layer, uh, but I think that's the direction they should be headed and not trying to compete with, you know, Binance that prints its own money to be an exchange, which will eventually be eaten by the current standards of exchanges, like an interactive brokers, like an E-Trade. Uh, if, if Bitcoin, uh, well, Bitcoin is uh, pretty much outside of the SEC space, so uh, these companies can start thinking about integrating something like Bitcoin, but, uh, but, but maybe not yet. Maybe it's a little too early. Uh, so we will, uh, so let's see. But my advice to Square is to stick with the payment side and not on the exchange side. Interesting, yeah. Ari, so we're moving to a million dollar box conjures up a fortune for Bitcoin visionary. Um, it, it is the scariest looking thing I've ever seen, to be very honest. It reminded me of like something that Tone would be put on uh, as a gulag when he gets in trouble in Russia a little bit more. Um, <laughs> so, but I will say, so it's, it's, uh, it's this huge box, um, very simply put, that they're calling the block boxes. And it's currently operating Canadian tar sands country, also not the most beautiful place in the world. Um, this was uh, founded by the startup of Vavilov. Tone could probably help me with these names. Um, and it has, um, it's saying that this has helped quintuple um, the, the amount of cash and cryptocurrency that Bit, uh, Bitfury is able to make in revenue. And just as a, a tiny background, um, Bitfury, we covered this in a story, I looked back. Um, that they had been talking about opening up uh, another facility in Canada that would have a lot of reserves and be doing a lot. So potentially this is on the heels of what they had been talking about then. But just specific to this story, Jimmy, what did you think about this massive block box, but specifically about the, the tech and the ASICs and what they've innovated here? Uh, am I frozen on screen? Just curious. You are frozen. Okay, so I'll, I'll fix that in a bit. Uh, but yeah, hey, this is, uh, you know, uh, expected. This is another evolution of mining 
and people sort of being very creative with what, where they mine and how they mine. Uh, you know that if there's a jurisdictional risk that uh, you can move these things fairly easily and portability in mining equipment is becoming more and more of a desired feature. So the, this is uh, marketed to towards, towards those people. Um, uh, you know, I, we haven't really had need for large capital expenditures to be a, uh, to need to move as much as Bitcoin mining equipment has, but it makes sense. Uh, so I, I liken these to kind of like oil rigs or something like that. Uh, you know, being able to put them in a place with uh, really cheap electricity is going to become a thing going forward. A lot of people have thought about ways to take advantage of a lot of the inefficiencies in the electrical grid. Uh, you know, uh, for example, when you're drilling a new oil well, oftentimes they have to burn off a lot of the oil in order to get it to be safe or something like that. This would be a good use case to, uh, you know, utilize some of that to power uh, and utilize that electricity in some intelligent way. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I imagine these things will continue to exist and uh, we're, we're seeing innovation at a level that uh, nobody would have guessed like uh, 10 years ago. And uh, this, that's, uh, that's kind of an amazing thing. Thanks, Jimmy. Tone, what did you think about this innovation on a follow-up of what Jimmy just said? Uh, sure. So like uh, a lot of people don't know uh, this and I was actually... Uh, recently educated on this. Um, uh, Bitfury was around uh, before Bitmain. Uh, they were uh, one of the first ASIC producers. Uh, I don't, they didn't invent ASIC, uh, but they were up there early on. And um, they actually hit 51% on Bitcoin back in like 2011 or something, or early 2011, uh, before Bitmain came into being. So, uh, and Bitfury is still with us. Uh, they are a small, uh, they're, they're still relatively small now compared to Bitmain. But this has been a product that we've, you know, people have been talking about. It was like one of those things where you've heard of it, but you've never really seen it. So these are the first pictures that I've seen of their, you know, uh, containers, the Bitfury containers that are full of mining hardware and uh, you can just deploy them and move them around. And here is what, and, and, and again, this will prove uh, to people that uh, the, mining, the mining game is somewhat decentralized, uh, more decentralized than a lot of the Bitcoin haters think it is. And more importantly, this goes to my argument of you don't know how much it costs to mine a Bitcoin. Because if you have uh, either a, uh, uh, if you have a connection to unreasonably cheap electricity, you can take one of these boxes and you can stick it somewhere for like three months until A, uh, that uh, cheap electricity, you've absorbed it all and the government uh, from whom you just got all that cheap electricity realizes that, hey, you are kind of screwing with their lo local area. Um, and they will make you stop, in which case you should already have a plan of where to move this container next for the cheap electricity. And two, you guys forget uh, that uh, a lot of people 
have government connections, okay? One of the reasons why you get into government is to, you know, be able to get free shit. So I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of people that are buying these, they're not cheap. They're what, 500,000, a million? Uh, how much are these things? Does the article say? Anyway, uh, my, my best guess is between 500,000 and a million dollars. Um, there's a high probability that a large number of people that are gonna buy these containers are have some kind of a government connection where they can get that cheap electricity. And therefore your electricity costs become very, very small. And everyone that talks about how it costs $6,000 to mine a Bitcoin, it doesn't know anything because I guarantee you there is enough people that are gonna put this box somewhere where their electricity is virtually free because they're sucking it out of the state and putting the costs onto the unknowing population. And therefore it only costs them, uh, I don't know, 1500, maybe 2000 at most to mine a single Bitcoin with that operation. Yeah. Uh, so Tone, just to, just to be clear, it's not, it doesn't always have to be sucking uh, money from taxpayers. It's, it, uh, there are places in the electrical grid where uh, they need to get rid of electricity. Oh, and I agree. This is a good way to do it. Um, and it, it's actually much more than you would think. The electrical grid all over the world has all sorts of inefficiencies uh, that they don't really know how to, how to do with. Uh, a lot of places, electricity costs negative. They'll pay you to take some of that electricity. So, um, you know, the, this is uh, making the entire grid a lot more efficient and will help in that regard. Uh, exactly how it'll uh, go and how much it'll cost. I mean, it, the, it says that you could get 15 Bitcoin a month. That's, uh, you know, that's like $100,000 or something. If you can get $100,000 a month, um, I'm sure it costs more than half a million to, to get that rig delivered. It's probably on the order of a million because uh, that's a 12-month ROI, assuming you could get free electricity, probably more like... 18 months with, uh, for large capital projects, that 18 month ROI is totally normal. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's pretty good, good stuff. Yeah, no. And, and I agree with what you said, Jimmy, I was pointing out that besides that reality mm -hmm. that you can have uh, legal, uh, yeah, yeah. You can, you can rent there, seek and, uh, and right. the government out of money, but right, yeah. Right. There, there's also the realistic reality that mm -hmm. enough people have connections that we wouldn't consider fair because mm -hmm. they're government connected. And mm -hmm. uh, between those two things, if you are paying $6,000 to mine a Bitcoin right now, you will find your operation in jeopardy because there is enough people that can get them significantly cheaper. In my, again, in my opinion, because uh, I, all these people that talk about the price of mining a Bitcoin is kind of overrated. Jimmy. I have a question for you. It's a personal one. Um, who who's the target market for this product? Well, I, I imagine it would be, uh, you know, people that want to make money. <laughs> like, uh, if you if you do if you do have an advantage, some edge somewhere in electricity, this is the way to monetize it. Uh, and it's uh, you know you got to remember a lot of things are very hard to monetize. You might have a lot of cheap electricity in a particular place. Uh, you could try to monetize it, but oftentimes it gets to a particular equilibrium where you can't really make that much money. This is a way to monetize that. Um, and, 
you know, there, there's, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are, are who exploit this sort of thing. And they're the ones that are probably doing it. Interesting. Yeah. I, I guess I meant more on, you know, do you need, would it be, uh, I guess, wealthy entrepreneurs that are coming in? Um, you know, I don't know. It could be startup too, well, right? Like if you, if you're in Montreal right. and you, you, you know, all of the, you have an edge on the local jurisdiction and, you know, know what license you need, licenses you need, you know, all of the power players and stuff like that, then you can, you could probably buy one of these or raise around the funding using VC money and figure this out. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this is just one of many ways in which you can make money. This is why entrepreneurship is beautiful. You don't, you don't really need to, uh, you know, uh, if you have a good idea, there, there are ways, or if you know, if you have an edge, you can, you can exploit it using these things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I do think that it, the mobile aspect is very interesting. Yeah, and, thank and, you. And just like someone sent me like this grid of like every country in the world and their average cost of electricity. I can't find that message because I get like a hundred messages a day, but it was a very good graphic. I don't have it anymore. Uh, like Venezuela and like Uruguay were grossly cheap. Uh, other countries were very cheap and others were very expensive. Uh, so it really depends on where you're mining. I wish I was trying, just trying to look for it to bring it up, but it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And again, he's coming from a background of Russia and also China. So it's, it's interesting potentially what, right, his impetus for starting this and what uh, pain points he's experienced that, he probably utilized in order to build this product, but that's speculation. So onward, Pokotoshi. Pokotoshi game brings Nintendo Pokemon onto Bitcoin Lightning Network. Uh, Jimmy, would you play this game? What's what's going on here? No, I have, I have that Korean gene that makes me addicted to video games. So I try not to play anything uh, too video gamey because I will end up in a mental ward or something. Um, or I will just die from not eating food. I don't know. But regardless, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is a very good use case for, uh, you know, micropayments, essentially. Uh, you, can, you can do like sub Satoshi payments and that allows you to do something like that. Uh, you can play this for 10 sats per play, uh, which is like less than a penny, one tenth of a penny. Like in no other... Uh, like we've never been able to get down to that level of granularity before. Uh, most mobile games uh, cost a lot more than one tenth of a penny, or actually it's like more like 0 0.06 pennies or something like that. Uh, and, you know, the ability to do that, I mean, obviously this is experimental. Who knows how viable this is as a business, but the ability to be able to do things like this is what, uh, why people have been excited about Lightning. It doesn't just take over payments that you can do already. Um, like it's not just replacing something like PayPal. It's, it's enabling a whole new class of things because it's just so efficient. Uh, you know, you can, you can pay somebody really, really quickly uh, at very, very tiny amounts and you can, you can do stuff like this. Um, now, like, is this the killer game? Is this the... Uh, you know, is this going to last and are people going to really like it? And are you going to get mainstream ad adoption out of this? I don't think so. But I mean, this is the direction I think we all really want to go is 
enabling these types of technologies so that you know people can come up with even more interesting use cases uh and <coughs> oh sorry uh so you know doing this is very important uh and getting this tech to work properly and securely is important and you know i i'm i'm glad that they've made it even though i'm not going to play it yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and if I'm getting this one correctly, Unity was used for Pokemon Go. And I think that that was a good case example of it working really well as as well. I know that I'm not going to lie, I have a Unity t-shirt. <laughs> okay, Tone, um, you know, what, what were your thoughts? I know that you're actually a Nintendo fan. No, uh, I, I think this is silly. Um, look, I, I, I understand lightning needs testing but can you just test it with something useful? This does not need to be decentralized. It doesn't need lightning payments. You can centralize this damn thing, you know, uh, use it internally, you know, like, sure, you can use a lightning to get your, you know, a couple of Satoshis in, but that, like, I don't know, like, uh, people always want to, like, abuse the blockchain starting with satoshi dice but you know? but this isn't a blockchain though this is lightning you're you're not abusing anything you don't the data doesn't have to live on the blockchain at all you're you're only settling there later this is I, actually I, I think it is actually centralized in a sense uh but they're only using lightning for the payment part if i'm not if i'm understanding i i i, I may, maybe like it, it depends i i just like you have unconfiscatable money. Can we please use it for something important? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Can I disagree with you completely on this? Course, I completely yeah. agree with Jimmy a thousand percent. I mean, even our next story is going to say that, you know, the BIS is their specific argument is that Bitcoin cannot make payments, um, that it doesn't have use cases. And I think that we've talked before that without more use cases, whether it's as silly, which I don't think it is as Nintendo, because gaming has been an insanely successful industry forever. Um, if we can have more use cases like this and it, and it works, then how could consumer confidence not go up and how could it not help not the ecosystem generally, but Bitcoin ecosystem specifically? And you're saying that like it's a silly one, but so what if it's silly? I mean, uh, I, I would also say that uh, getting people to pay is the hardest part for any mobile game. And, you know, mobile games are a huge industry, uh, but, you know, people want to play it for free and getting them to go from free to paying, even if it's a very, very tiny amount, tends to be the hardest part. Uh, this solves that. Uh, and that's, I mean, it's just one use case. I don't think this is going to be the killer app that brings lightning to the masses or anything like that, but it's a good experiment. And, right. And, no, I agree with, oh, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's just, uh, yeah, I mean, you also have a Satoshi dot, uh, was it point? What was no, the place? Place. place. Yeah. Thank you. For painting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For painting. I have, I have a few of them of me on there already. Um, I guess you have to go and find it. I haven't actually gone to that website, but uh, I've seen some of the pictures of me. They were pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Well, uh... I don't know. I just don't care about this. Like, I, I'm sorry. It's just like, a, <laughs> sure, it could be good. It could be bad. Like, like I, 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 it, 
I just well, don't care. I, I want to know how much they're making so I can go make something similar and make money. That's what I'm thinking with stuff like that. I agree. I agree. Uh, maybe I'll play it. I don't know. I'm, I'm well, not, not playing it. I want, I want to be on the other side collecting the money. That's what I want. <laughs> I'm stuck in a chair. Maybe maybe I'll just go yeah, all yeah. in on this. You know what, guys? One of these days, we, what we should do is have a stream that's uh, payable in Lightning. And uh, you can't get on the stream unless you're actually uh, you know, paying through the channel or something like that. If we could build something like that, that would be interesting. And it doesn't have to be very much. You'd pay like sub pennies per minute or something. But we, can, we could do that as an experiment and see if that uh that qualifies under tone's definition of something useful i'm so down also who knows how many like government agency employees actually could get really excited we don't know that they're not gamers first uh, yeah. of all maybe they get like really excited about this or their kids who like everyone was on pokemon go are like dad this is so cool you should play this with me and you never know. You never know. It's not illegal right now for government employees actually to be holding Bitcoin or to be processing it. It's just kind of being figured out. So I'm just saying like, they could, maybe they will love it so much that they start passing this law. But um, until then, Tone, I'll stop fighting you. So you don't uh, get too mad at me by the end of the show. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one. So uh, central bankers claim Bitcoin could break the internet. The crypto world thinks that they are missing the point. They are absolutely missing the point. <laughs> um, so yeah, so very simply, um, so for anyone that doesn't know the Bank of International Settlements, it's an acronym BIS, right? They, their mission statement is they foster international monetary and financial cooperation and serve as a bank for central banks. That just like the IMF, which we've covered, you know, ad nauseum, they were established in 1930. So um, that should also be a point made that I wanted to make because it's not like they're new. Um, so again, it was interesting to me that they outlined three specific shortcomings that prevent crypto for replacing money. And these are one, scalability, two, stability of value, and three, trust in the finality of payments. And one of their biggest, biggest criticism, so that was their shortcomings, but their criticism was the decentralization of all cryptocurrencies as being their biggest flaw rather than a strength. Again, crypto is not just Bitcoin tone. We've yes. talked about IMF. Jimmy, unfortunately, we missed you on that one show, but jump right in. What did you think about this? Well, okay. first, oh, oh, was it oh, me oh, or you oh, that oh, you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you got you to point to one of us. Yep, Tone. Okay, okay, I'll go first. Um, so, um, okay, so let's, okay, so Avi, I'll let Jimmy uh, talk about how uh, the three points that they listed, I mean, they're just misinformed, right? I mean, we're not going to sit here. I mean, we, we, this is what we talk about on the show every day. Uh, obviously, uh, Bitcoin is our, like, the most decentralized thing we have on the planet. Uh, so it certainly is decentralized. Uh, it is one hell of a good store of value, even though this year has not been so hot. But we'll be back to new all-time highs. So it's an amazing store of value. It's scarcity. Uh, the, the Jimmy can speak to the code, and he always does. As far as confidence, which was his third point, 
Uh, was it confidence or was it technological transaction finality? I'm going to stick with confidence. The only thing that matters for a currency is confidence. Okay. It, gold, no different. Okay. Gold, US dollar, Bitcoin, um, in order for it to be like considered a currency, the most important thing is confidence. Now, obviously, the more technologically secure your blockchain is, the more confidence people will have. The less downtime your blockchain has, <clears throat> EOS, uh, oh, sorry, not a blockchain, my bad. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with me there. Um, like the, 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 the more uptime you have by percentage, the more confidence people will have, right? So all of that brings on more and more confidence. Uh, the visa went down for like 24 hours in Europe recently. So by default, that means that Bitcoin has now has higher reliability on your payment than Visa over the last year, right? Because Bitcoin has not gone down at all, the Bitcoin infrastructure. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm already going on a tangent that I was supposed to, like, that's all garbage. My problem is the headline. Oh, Leah, can you go back to the headline, please? Sure. And also the headline hook paper, just so you know, is uh, cryptocurrencies looking behind the hype. But here's the business insider one. Yep. What does this have to do with breaking the internet? What? Like, 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 like I don't make the connection, right? Like, like I can understand if your headline, uh, I don't know if this is a business insider being business insider again, uh, like when they started with like the most uh, outrageous clickbait headlines or uh, did they, I, is that what they actually said? But this has nothing to do with breaking the internet, right? It has to do with you, your money sucks and people like to use Bitcoin. That's it. If you want Bitcoin to die, there's all you have to do is do two things. One, uh, give people the confidence that your fiat money is not going to be continuously printed and that you have real sound, uh, money, uh, you know, you, know you, you don't print money uh, randomly. You only print money very rarely and very strategically. And two, remove all money laundering laws. If the government does that, there is probably no need for Bitcoin. Probably your banks still have to allow you to make, you know, quick payments. But if there's no money laundering laws, you can use your money in any way, shape or form uh, without, you know, uh, being censored. That's it. That's all Bitcoin is. And they're not going to do that. They're going to go in the opposite direction. And people are going to gain more and more confidence in Bitcoin economically and technologically. Gotcha. Thank you, Tone. And Jimmy, yes, can you follow up? And also, as Tone evoked you regarding to the tech, and I will say that in this article and also uh, in the paper itself, it really specifically cites that the tech is not there yet, that lightning hasn't been proved and that um, the R&D in the space is not being looked into. So um, they're really focusing on all the tech issues and not under, they're not even looking at it really. So um, sorry, I made that a bit vague, but um, can you speak to the tech issues and what Tom just said? Well, I, first of all, are you surfing like Spanish language websites? Why, why, why are the ads on your browser like in Spanish? I, I don't really. Well, anyway, beside the point, um, let's let me talk to Tone's point. First of all, I, I think Bitcoin is more than just an unconfiscatable money. It's sound money. It's uh, it's got a fixed supply that lets you keep it for a long period of time. Uh, so even if the central banks, uh, you know, didn't confiscate money or control it in that way, 
I think people would still flock to Bitcoin because it is a better long-term store of value. And that's what you, you want in, in a money because you can, uh, you know, you, you can store value over a long period of time instead of having it inflated away from you. So that to me is the major thing. Uh, this is, uh, this is kind of like, um, Watching a fax machine manufacturer uh, argue for why you still need fax machines after the internet came along. That's what this article feels like to me. That's what this paper feels like to me. I, I think you, it's just safe to ignore it. That makes sense. I, I also couldn't agree more. Um, all right, Tone, if you don't have any last thoughts. No, after- I mean, I, I do. I kind of expected Jimmy oh. to say it. Yeah. Uh, so these tech issues that they are referring to, they're not tech issues. They're your timeline of Bitcoin destroying your currency may, is maybe a little bit faster than our timeline of Bitcoin destroying your currencies. There are no tech issues. They take time to program and they take time to properly test so that Bitcoin will take over fiat currencies. They're, they're I mean, it's, it's kind, kind of like a fax machine manufacturing saying, saying, okay, well, the imaging technology to scan your documents accurately and, you know, transmit it over the internet in a, uh, a reasonable amount of time is not mature. Who cares? Like, it's still being worked on. Right. It'll, it'll, it, it's the, yeah, it, it's not, a, I, I don't pay attention to technical arguments from people that have an obvious agenda. So I, I, I that's why I don't really find this compelling at all. Yeah, and, and to the IMF's point that we covered recently, right? They were saying fight fire with fire, um, yet at the same time, they were actually pushing for central government coins. Um, so this is, I think, uh, very silly. And to Tone's point to end on, I do think that it has to do a lot with lack of confidence, a lack of trust, um, that their belief that this is purely used for speculation is what they said, that Bitcoin is purely used for speculation and can't be used for currency. Um, I think it then becomes a bit of a if-then statement. If you know we can build consumer confidence, going back to the uh, Pokemon story through development and greater adoption, then this could change, um, I think. And that, you know, that they'd stop joining this bandwagon because with the rise of Bitcoin, uh, I think that these statements will become irrelevant. I think it's sound bites yeah. and they're trying to be relevant. I mean, very honestly, and this is from a world banker perspective, um, they are becoming so irrelevant. And I, very much if Bitcoin takes off, they, there will be no use of the IMF, I think, of the World Bank, of specifically the BIS. You know, what, what's their use? So, of course, they're going to come out with these statements, I personally believe, because they're probably scared out of their mind and they don't understand it one bit. And nor will any of the economists who are very old there and not studying tech trends. And that is a very contrarian view there. So, um, I know I was supposed to end on that, but if you guys have any last day, no, 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 that, that, no, no, and I and I agree with all that. But uh, like I will agree with uh, with the uh, I guess with, with the central bankers that Bitcoin doesn't yet have the confidence, and that's true. That's a true statement. If Bitcoin had the confidence as a global payment, first of all, one Bitcoin would be over a million dollars today. And we would all be using Bitcoin as much as we could, right? So the confidence is not there yet.
but it continues to grow and it's reflected in the price of Bitcoin and I expect it to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we will continue to make sure that it does. All right. Well, Jimmy, inside the crypto world's biggest scandal, this is on Wired. I did not follow it as much as I should have yesterday. What happened? Uh, well, this is the sordid history of Tezos and what the heck happened over there. Uh, the complete cluster fudge thing that this was. Um, very interesting article. It's the cover story for Wired, blockchain, a love story or something like that. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's well worth reading. I think we'll probably talk about it a little more tomorrow, but I wanted to bring this up for the viewers because this is what an altcoin ICO type thing looks like. This is, this is the sort of thing that goes behind the scenes. All of the, you know, like power plays and things. It's, it's, uh, it plays out like a drama because it's centralized. And don't let anyone tell you different. These things are extremely centralized and have this drama for that reason. Um, and it'll be a lot of fun to talk about it a little more. I think Tone wants to get somebody on here tomorrow to talk about the lawsuit that they have against Tezos. And this will be a nice backdrop. Yeah, uh, I'll, 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 I'll give it a try. If you guys saw David Silver on that epic stream of like nine people on the screen in one shot, uh, he actually has a class action lawsuit against Tezos. And uh, the only point that I will make is uh, this is why uh, you as a, you know, unqualified investor should not be buying these ICOs because the, 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 the everything here could have easily been written about Ethereum. And I wish that it was. Like the, the chances of Ethereum actually launching were probably 50-50. I heard they almost ran out of money. Um, a lot of people left. Like, uh, uh, you know, like Ethereum, I was- they, they did run out of money. They had to raise additional funding. Right. Uh, well, at least they raised that for, without selling it on licensed security though, the second round, right? No, no, they, they issued more tokens. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I didn't know about that, actually. I thought I knew the history of Ethereum pretty damn well. Um, so uh, this should have been Ethereum, right? Like, like, this is a company. Ethereum was a company. This is how companies, and this happens to companies a lot. And the only reason why this is such major news is because VCs didn't fund this nightmare. They sold unlicensed securities, right? Like, like this is the world that we're living in is that uh, these companies like Ethereum, like Tezos, like EOS are pretending to be some kind of a decentralized blockchain when in reality, they're a company with a couple of people. That's it. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting if you can get um, him on the show. Otherwise, definitely let's do a bit of a deep dive anyways. And Jimmy, thanks for sharing the story. Um, so I guess it is circulating on the Twitter sphere. Jimmy, I was going to go into the mempool unless you want to cover these um, little bit of sound bites first. Yeah, let's let's cover some of them. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, real quick, and then and then we'll go to the mempool. Let's do it. So, <laughs> all right, Dogecoin transactions are three hundred thousand higher than Bitcoin Cash. Three hundred percent, Leah. Three hundred percent. <laughs> <laughs> higher than bitcoin cash i am 
be cut off as the host today. Uh, don't please take this over for me before I say something. Oh God, no, it's okay. You're still dealing with post-surgery. Uh, Anesthesia and yeah. opioids or whatever it is that you're on. Don't get addicted to the meds. Yeah, yeah. Don't, uh, don't worry too much, Leah. Either that or World Cup fever. She's watching too many games. <laughs> Maybe um, maybe the soccer well, balls not, are hitting not, her head. I'm not surprised. Uh, Dogecoin uh, was significantly more honest uh, initiative at a blockchain and a currency than Bcash ever was. Uh, so I am perfectly okay with this. I have never actually called Dogecoin a scam. Uh, I never really had a problem with it. It was always, you know, fairly created, fairly mined coin. Uh, I, I think they ran into a huge problem with like, you know, their mining structure, which will happen to every coin other than Bitcoin uh, sooner or later, uh, just from the economic dynamics of mining. And uh, I mean, great. Uh, more people should be aware of this. And uh, I, the, the whole idea that Bcash still has so much value, uh, like one coin is worth so much is ridiculous. Uh, Dogecoin is way more useful and way more interesting than uh, Bcash. Jimmy? Uh, my personal view is that, uh, you know, people use Dogecoin to just sort of transfer back and forth and the transactions are pretty cheap. Uh, I think this talks more about BCH than anything else. And the reason why they have uh, you know, so few transactions, I think is because it's in the hands of a very few people. I haven't run the numbers on this yet, but my suspicion is that a lot of the uh, BCH is actually just in the hands of a few people. And, you know, I mean, they, they can do a lot of transactions, but on a per uh, unit basis, you're, you're not going to get as much because they're hoarding most of it. Uh, I, I've, I've heard numbers like, you know, 80% uh, of, uh, you know, certain people's holdings are Bitcoin cash. And it's like, okay, well, if that's the case, and I know how rich that person is, um, you know, then they must have a giant hoard because they traded all their Bitcoin in for that. So, and, you know, it's, it was, I think, trading at around the six to one ratio, you're going to have six times more BCH than BTC. So a lot more of it is sort of locked up. Uh, the irony, of course, is that they're using it more as a store of value, anticipating that it will become a bigger medium of exchange. It's kind of what you were doing with Bitcoin, except now you're in a centralized system. So, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see. The, the irony is thick on this one. Great. Um, live chat viewers, thank you for saying that I woke you guys up. I will take that as the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? All right. Uh, last story. Crypto celebrity McAfee stops touting ICOs, citing SEC threats. Maybe he's finally doing something uh, intelligent. Uh, Tone, I hear he's your best friend. You met him quite a lot. Uh, you want to start with this story? Uh, sure. So uh, it, it's, it's one of two things. One, either McAfee is tired of uh, no one is paying him anymore to show any ICOs. Or, you know, he just wants to have a little break. Or uh, the more realistic reality, when McAfee started printing his own money with his face on him, uh, a regulator decided to give him a call. And, uh, or, you know, gave a call to his lawyer. So maybe the SEC called, maybe FinCEN called. But somebody called. 
and they had a little chat. And um, I don't think McAfee wants to go to prison at the age of 70. Uh, so uh, he's going to keep his mouth shut. And, uh, and that's probably about it. If I have to guess, that's what happened. Uh, so that's about it. Uh, so he, hopefully he'll stop showing ICOs. And people will realize that for the first time in a while, uh, McAfee might actually be right that a lot of these ICO creators are actually going to go to prison. Uh, which they probably won't. They'll just pay a fine. And uh, I mean, I, I don't want people to actually go to prison, uh, but I want them banned from uh, ever raising money again, ever programming again, ever uh, dealing, being on a board again, uh, or being a financial advisor again, right? They can go and get a job. Can, you know, go work at McDonald's. It'd be more productive than building Ethereum. Uh, it'll be do, do, it'll probably do, well, maybe not McDonald's, but go work at like a healthy food place and it'll do more for society than Ethereum will. Uh, so uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping for in this space. Tone. Well, also because he's running for POTUS 2020, obviously he needs to be uh, very conscious of his uh, campaign. <laughs> but also if, if we read it here, it says due to SEC threats to your point, um, it's not entirely clear if he's just talking about SEC threats in general to ICOs or, as you said, ICO threats potentially going his way. It also says at the end of his tweet, I'm writing an article on an equivalent alternative to ICOs, which the SEC cannot touch. Now, we have found out that he has been quite strangely creative recently, so um, I will be curious of what that means. But turning it to you, Jimmy, what did you think when you read this? And it was on Bloomberg, Bloomberg article. Uh, I'm generally very skeptical of this guy. He's, uh, he's, you know, like McAfee, the antivirus software, ever since I, I installed that and discovered how annoying it was, I've been very suspicious of this guy. Um, and if you study his history a little bit, there's a lot of sketchy things going on with him. So not surprised that he's done uh you know icos or whatever i i i would not touch anything he touches just that's yeah that's my quick take couldn't agree more i uh, also that video with you tone i that was I, beyond obnoxious when he was talking about how all cars like that must uh, deserve a chauffeur although i appreciate that uh you offered to step up as Nick's chauffeur. That was that was interesting. I but, did. Uh, I think I think it's a more productive job than creating Ethereum. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, Jimmy, Bitcoin. What's going on with Mempool? Well, it looks like there's a large number of transactions in the Mempool at the moment, uh, but they're mostly between zero and ten. Um, uh, Satoshi per byte. Uh, you could probably get something in for like 10 to 12 if you need next block. I, I'm thinking you can probably get in something today at as low as one or two, but if you want to be a little bit safer and get in the next few hours, I would, I would do three or four. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's normal. Um, you, can, you can see what happened overnight. All, the mempool clears right away, so we're good. Great. Thank you, Jimmy. And Tone, TA? Okay, let's do TA real quick. Some interesting price action. 
Um, yeah, we bounced uh, yesterday. I mean, not much happened uh, from our last show yesterday. Uh, we bumped during the show uh, yesterday. We're pretty much at the same level we were uh, during yesterday's show. So I, there's nothing in addition that I can really say. Uh, uh, we fell out of this triangle a little too early. And I find it amazing how people keep saying how wrong I am on Bitcoin going to 5,000 or 3,000 or 1,000. Guys, my targets are probably as late as next year. I can't be wrong on Bitcoin going to 3,000 until let's say 2022, right? I mean, the, the bear market can play out longer than you realize, right? So uh, people are absolutely amazing. I'm running into the same problem. My friend Van Zen, when we did that show in early January, uh, before this big nosedive from like 13,000, uh, 13, uh, Van Zen talked about how uh, a drop to, I mean him both, a drop to, to uh, 7,000 was imminent. And his ultimate target is uh, $2,000 on the bear market. And um, I'm recently hearing that he's getting nervous that we're falling too fast. And his target is 2000 And he's scared we're falling too fast for that target. And people think that we're wrong predicting low prices. Uh, people's time frames are just totally, you know, like the opposite of what they should be. And it, and it makes sense because none of these people are really traders. They're just like hoping. Uh, look at your volume drop off. And uh, we fell out of this triangle a little too early. Uh, so it's possible that this is a fake breakdown, but this has nothing to do with the bear market ending. Absolutely nothing. In fact, um, you had the lowest closing low since in this entire bear market trend. If anything, I am more bearish this week than I was two weeks ago when the price was above $7,000 or at $7,000 because a lower closing low tells me that there's more lows to come. We are on a six of nine. I'm still looking for $5,000 in the first half of July. That remains my target. I still think we are equivalent to September of 2014, though I'm not going to pull up the history of those uh, of 2014. Uh, here's the daily chart. Uh, this daily chart continues to have uh, negative money flow, uh, which is slowly getting back to zero as the price is slowly rebounding. Based on a daily chart, uh, there is this possibility that the price can go as high as $7,050 and meeting somewhere uh, in the combination of the declining, uh, what is that? That looks like the 30-day moving average. Uh, uh, I'm, I don't know how important the 30-day moving average is, uh, but that's the 128-day moving average, which is more important, and it'll take a little while for this to drop off, uh, but I can certainly see us going back to seven. Uh, but if you're uh, entering bullish trades, remember, your reward is small and your risk is very, very high. So... It's a high risk, low reward trade. You can do it. Um, I mean, I was worried about a minor bear trap in this area, mostly because we fell a little too fast and a little too quick. But this is how 
these descending triangles form. Let me go to the 12-hour chart. Um, I, I used to have a triangle on this, like a giant symmetric triangle. I still do. Um, this is how these triangles form. You know, every time you bounce, you bounce less. And uh, now we have this giant symmetric triangle and uh, uh, based on a weekly chart. And uh, you see you're struggling with this red line. I must have talked about this red line in the past. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here from past videos. And you're struggling to break this line, uh, the 67.50 line. Now, the good news for the bulls is the more attempts you have to break this line, the higher the probability of breaking the line. And if you break this line, you're then going to get stuck over at the $7,000 line, right? The same line that's uh, resistance on the daily chart. So I have no idea if this line is going to break. I am absolutely 50-50 and neutral on the 12-hour and daily chart, maybe even the four-hour chart. And if we do break this line, I will probably be a bear at the $7,000 mark uh, looking for significant downside. Here is the four-hour chart. Again, here is that pretty much the same line. This is that dotted line. This is my uh, setup trend line. It's a little bit higher, just above 6,800. And uh, the four-hour chart is giving you an eight of nine. So sometime later today, you could have a nine uh, sending you back down. So I would be short-term bear. Everything here is the result of like probably one trader that may knew what he was doing, but probably didn't. And uh, again, I don't expect this to last. This is not the kind of move and this is not the kind of volume. And uh, people are wondering why I'm suddenly talking more about volume. I don't know. I started looking at it again and I'm mentioning it. Uh, though you don't need volume. I could have told you what the volume spike was on the scandal, uh, relatively speaking to other candles without uh, looking at volume. And uh, uh, we'll probably go back down uh, later tonight. Uh, will we go down and break new lows? I have no idea. But if we break new lows, if we go below 62, 6100, it's going to get real ugly uh, real quick. My target remains uh, just under 5,000 by in early July. The one hour chart isn't really telling you anything. Uh, someone said something about the stock market taking a dive today. Uh, makes sense to me. You're coming off a 913 sell on the S&P weekly. Uh, you're coming off a nine on the S&P daily. Uh, however, uh, it's possible that your daily is going to reverse as of tomorrow because of this nine being a one to four candle correction, having completed a nine above the setup trend line. But this weekly chart is telling you of a one to four week correction. And while a one week correction is enough, uh, we don't know. So I would not touch the S&P 500 until it went above the high of the doji. So I would be a, uh, a raging bull of the S&P 500 upon a close or, uh, or a print with some you know, momentum uh, above uh, 27.80. So it's, it makes perfect sense that the S&P is taking a little bit of a break. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and have a wonderful day. Jimmy, when is your next conferences? 
Uh, not conferences, but seminars, Leah, seminars. Uh, my next seminar oh, is... had a rough day. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. She She's recovering. Um, I am planning to do Denver on July 9th and 10th, and then I will do San Francisco July 26th, 27th. I am looking at Chicago late August, um, Prague in October. I, I still have to like finalize the... Uh, both of those uh, places, and uh, and it'll be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Pork fest for you? Yeah, pork fest for me. The next few days, I'll drive to Montreal on Friday uh, to do my workshop there on Saturday. Uh, and Jimmy, I'll see you at in in Prague. I'll be we're at the same conference there. And um, I, are you going to Lisbon for uh, building? I can't. I can't. I can't do that one. Uh, yeah. I'm still 50-50 if I'm going to go to that in July. Um, and uh, but yeah, uh, other than that, uh, I guess I'll see you in uh, in Prague probably next. Awesome. All right, gentlemen. All right. Until probably tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye, and guys. Oh, what? Sorry. Jimmy. Oh, this song is done. <laughs> All right. Good luck, guys.